are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be chatting with Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks officially signed former Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder to a five-year deal to replace Nate McMillan. What does Snyder bring to the table that McMillan couldn't? Why was it time for Atlanta to move on from Nate McMillan? Then we chat with Darian Viziri from Locked On Clippers as Russell Westbrook is the new starting point guard for the LA Clippers. What has the Russ experience been like so far? Plus, why are the Clippers struggling to close out teams late in games? Then, lastly, we chat with Kane Pittman from Locked On Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks have won an NBA best 14 games in a row. How are they maintaining success despite guys being in and out of the lineup, including Giannis? Plus, why is Chris Middleton still coming off the bench and... Jay Crowder makes his much-anticipated Bucks debut. Now, as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. Joining us now is the host of Locked on Hawks, Brad Roland, who you can find wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked on Hawks. And Brad, the Atlanta Hawks making a splash with a new head coach mid-season. I guess, you know, here in the final one-third of the NBA season, we're going to talk about Quinn Snyder taking over in Atlanta. But first, I, I got to ask, why Why was it the time for the Atlanta Hawks to, to finally move on from Nate McMillan? What was ultimately like the final nail in the coffin there? It's a great question, honestly, because it's such an unprecedented situation where the last time a, a, a coach was fired with this good of a record in season was five years ago. It doesn't usually happen when you're around 500. You're usually pretty safe, but uh, I'm not sure if there was one inciting incident. I think the Hawks just kind of been frustrated where they've been for a while. They pushed a lot of chips in the offseason to be a better uh, a better team this year, quite honestly. And McMillan wasn't the worst coach in the world necessarily, but they were talking about how he had been drowned out and they had a couple of bad losses before the all-star break. And I think as we'll get to with Quinn Snyder, maybe they had an inkling that this guy was potentially available to replace him if they moved quickly. So I think it's all a little bit of everything, but in the end they decided to move on. And it's uh, it's certainly a defensible decision. I think that he was not going to be the guy that took them to the highest of heights. And that's where they want to go. What does Quinn Snyder ultimately bring to the table that maybe McMillan couldn't as a coach? I think he's a lot more innovative on offensive, on the offensive end of the floor, especially McMillan has some strengths. He is a very good sort of culture setter. He got a lot of acclaim for the way that he handled the team when he took over from Lloyd Pierce a couple of years ago, but McMillan is not the most innovative guy on offense. He's a very old school mismatch, heavy, a lot of long twos, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a, uh, not exactly analytically friendly in a lot of different ways. And I think the Hawks, in addition to just maybe needing a new, a new voice, Needed another mind to, I would say, accentuate the strengths of guys like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. I think as soon as they brought Murray in, I was kind of thinking aloud that McMillan was probably not the guy that they were going to ha- eventually have to have to make that all sing on offense. Because I think that you have to be a little bit um, more innovative because, you know, you have, you have these two point guards playing together. It's not this conventional setup that's kind of uh, su- sort of suits McMillan's strengths. And I think 
Snyder, in addition to that offensive acclaim, also is well-renowned for being sort of a guy who gets the most most out of his players. I think in Utah, especially early on, before Mitchell and Gobert broke out, they were really having a lot of success being sort of that egalitarian team, like you know being well-coached, running good, running good stuff, and operating at a high level. So I think Quinn's been uh, able to prove himself as this guy who can do a lot of different things. And uh, being that this roster is kind of what it is right now, molding to the roster itself is, is a strength of his. I think that's one of the reasons why that he makes a lot of sense now. Of all the rumored names that the Hawks were, you know, potentially interested in, obviously they, you know, landed Quinn Snyder, who you could argue is the the most, the best coach of the bunch. But Kenny Atkinson was another name, a handful of other assistants from around the NBA landscape. How important was it that they got arguably the best coach available on the market right now? And again, mid-season, right? Kind of an unconventional time to to make a hire like this. Yeah, I think if you're going to move the way they did and, and have it be unconventional, like you said, getting a guy who you can certainly win the press conference with and Quinn Snyder is probably at least a pretty good messaging approach to your fans and to your team. And um, if you're going to do this now, coming out of it with what I think is a top 10 coach in the league based on his performance in Utah, that's a pretty good way of emerging from this whole thing. And the Hawks have been kind of the butt of the joke around the league this year for their front office stuff. There's been lots of, you know, palace intrigue we'll say from behind the scenes and now they kind of put that all to bed and have this guy that you can turn to and with just immediate credibility and say this is our guy and this is our guy for you know five years he signed a five-year contract reportedly today so um him taking over midseason will be a little bit interesting in a lot of ways but the fact that they can go ahead and do this and there were good candidates but you know Snyder was also available now which i think if the hawks wanted to go quickly that was one of the reasons to go ahead and do this was got in front of the cycle if you wanted kenny atkinson or charles lee you would have had to wait probably like those guys are not going to leave midseason from contending teams to go take over the Hawks. So Snyder being available, Snyder being a guy who they could talk to openly and freely right now in the middle of the season, all that seemed to come together and have him be sort of the guy almost right away. It seems like he was kind of the guy they wanted at the top of the list, and that's who that's the guy they landed. And when you're talking about kind of him being able to walk in, you know, midseason right here, the final, the final one-third leg of the season, whatever, after, you know, post-All-Star break, how beneficial is it going to be to be able to allow, you know, not only he gets to take a look at kind of what the guys are doing, reportedly he might step into, you know, the coach's box, be on the sideline as, as early as Tuesday, um, you know, for this Hawks team. I mean, how beneficial is it going to be for him to really kind of start to establish a connection with these players, see what they can do on the court, make his presence felt in that locker room, rather than, you know, okay, you make the hire in the offseason, then you got to go through the whole offseason. And there's a, I feel like there's maybe pros and cons to him stepping in, you know, right out of the gate like this. Yeah, there are definitely pros and cons. I mean, for one, it's just like, it's just kind of uncharted territory. Guys, especially with his level of gravitas and his level of you know sort of uh, acclaim, does not. It's, this is not. This is very unconventional for him to come in now in the middle of a season where a lot of the times when a, a team goes outside the organization, they're probably just trying to get a, a head up for, for next season. The Hawks have been very clear; they want to win now. They're not trying to push ahead. I think one of the things for me is what you brought up there is establishing him for the future and getting that groundwork laid, and that all appeals to me. But I think the Hawks are not going to be probably just as patient as that. I'm not sure that they want to win the championship now. Obviously, that's probably not exactly realistic at this stage. But I think that they are saying to anybody that will listen, this is a move that is certainly future focused, but also focused on the now and uh, sort of has that dual approach. Maybe you can use the rest of the season as sort of a, a sort of a box to play in. They do want to win. And it's sort of a live atmosphere of trying to get better right away and, and build those relationships. But also you go into the summer with some data to look at, some relationships to already built with your players and just some some tape and all that stuff too. So uh, there are pros and cons. It's going to be a little bit weird this first week. And you know, if he coaches Tuesday, 
he'll have one practice. That's basically not what you would normally see from a guy coming in from the outside. But if they can get it all done, not panic too much about the short term and kind of focus long term, there are some uh, pretty big strengths to it as well. What needs to happen over this final portion of the season for it to feel like Quinn Snyder has gotten off to a good start with the Atlanta Hawks? What will he be able to to achieve when his you know when he steps into the role with the Hawks again? An unconventional hire here at the tail end of the season. Of course, we'll have us cover for all of that and more over at Locked On Hawks. Brad, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Russell Westbrook is the new starting point guard for the LA Clippers. What has the Russ experience been like so far? Plus, why are the Clippers struggling to close out teams late in games? We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Tonight, how about taking Luka Doncic to score more than 26.5 points? What about Giannis Antetokounmpo to have more than 9.5 rebounds? How about Devin Booker to have less than 6.5 assists? Or maybe we even go with Ja Morant to have less than 2.5 three-pointers made. So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections of available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, of course, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. They've got you covered for everything. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe. They offer incredibly fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making Locked On NBA part of your day, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Clippers, Darian Vizier. You can follow wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Clippers. And man, Darian, the Clippers were involved in a couple just insanely entertaining, super competitive games against the Kings on Friday, then the Nuggets on Sunday night. Managed to lose both games. The Friday night game against the Kings, the second highest scoring game ever in NBA history. We're going to kind of unpack some of what, what you saw from these games and how it relates back to the Clippers, but not to overshadow the you know big news. Clippers added another new player to their roster, Russell Westbrook, who... You said on this very podcast a couple weeks ago when I asked you about the idea of adding Russ, you said you were kind of, you know, against the idea of bringing him into this Clippers team. So now that he's a part of the LA Clippers and you've seen him play in a couple games, he's starting, which is just crazy to me that he, they brought him in to be the starter. How do you feel about Russ in, in this role for this Clippers team? Well, when I heard the news, my thoughts from when I just came on the podcast a couple weeks ago hadn't changed. But after these first two games, I'm actually really enjoying the Russ experience. I think he's really added something to our team because we haven't had this good of a passer since Chris Paul. We really haven't. So to have somebody that really hits guys in their shooting pocket, you know, doesn't make shooters adjust to have to catch the ball. Those little things really make our ball movement feel crisper. And also, I, I now understand 
why Paul George wants the ball out of his hands. Cause man, Russell Westbrook's criticism throughout his career has been his crucial turnovers and bad moments. But if you really pay attention to the Clippers, I've been paying attention to Paul George over the last six, seven years. He is no better. And I found out a stat from one of our beat writers that Paul George actually averages more turnovers on the drive than Russ in terms of like, you know, his turnover percentage when he drives. So Russell Westbrook so far, I think has been awesome. The only thing is closing games is a little tough because the ball just tends to find non-shooters at the end of games. And in the Nuggets game, they didn't close with him, but that's, I think, in my opinion, puts him in a position where he can't mess up and can't be scapegoated. I've really liked Russ these first two games, and his defensive activity has been better than I expected, and his rebounding is really, truly a breath of fresh air. And we obviously know he can still get to the rim. And the sh- the, the thing everyone was saying about we have more shooters absolutely has been a good fit. So, so far, I'm actually really loving Russ. I don't think he was at fault at all for the Denver loss. You can say a little bit Sacramento, but I think there were other reasons in the Sacramento game much bigger than Russ and the reasons we lost. Well, even when you look at the Sacramento game, the crazy thing is Russ fouled out of that game in the second overtime, and then the Clippers didn't score the rest of the way. Yep. After Russ exited the floor, it was it was game over. The offense just kind of stagnated and completely stalled out, which is, you know, to your point, right, the ball movement and what he's able to do, kind of getting other guys involved, right? I think also... Besides that, Paul George was on this minutes restriction, yet he played 41 minutes. Doesn't sound like much of a restriction to me. And then they didn't let him go over that threshold, I guess, when we already were in double overtime. And when Russ fouled out, there was a close-up of Paul George saying, can I finish the game? Can I finish the game? And he didn't get put back in. So now you have Kawhi Leonard, who already has the quad condition and gets load managed for a reason, in a double overtime game, playing more minutes in a game than he's played in his entire Clipper tenure, Without Russ or Paul George out there, he kind of lost his legs. And, you know, the Kings are a young team, and De'Aaron Fox is, like, maybe a year older than me. Like, he can run for days. So he's not going to get as tired as a guy like Kawhi. Yeah, that was really tough when we didn't score after Russ went out of the game. And it was exacerbated by Paul George also not being in the game. And do you envision Russ's role moving forward? I mean, the fact that he walked into and became the starting point guard just outright, I was – I was pretty shocked by that, honestly. Do you envision him as the the starting point guard for this Clippers team just moving forward, or do you think this is going to be a flexible thing where that position might change a little bit, you know, depending on matchups or or whatever, moving forward, like in the playoffs? No, it's not going to change because Ty Lue and Paul George were very adamant about this. They were very adamant that they wanted a guy that's truly recognized as a point guard. It's very clear what's happened this season. Lawrence Frank and Jerry West feel a different way than Ty Lue, Paul George, and Kawhi do. Those three want a guy like a Russ or a point guard, a traditional great passer, table setter. The front office is very into the wing heavy. We don't need a traditional point guard approach. And as I said, when Lawrence Frank said, we want a guy that can shoot, that doesn't sound like Russell Westbrook. If anyone knows Russell Westbrook at this point. But because Ty Lue and Paul George are very adamant about this concept, Russell Westbrook will be the starting point guard. And you know what? I honestly don't mind because I've really loved what I've seen from Russ. I think it makes Paul George come off the ball more like we saw in OKC, and I like that. The only thing is it's more important who finishes than who starts. So Russ starting is not a big deal for me. I'm actually very fine because he truly is the best point guard on this roster. You talk about, you know, finishing some of these games, closing out some of these, just, and frankly, maybe even just holding on to some of these leads that the Clippers kind of build up and then just seemingly start throwing away at various points in these games. What's going on and specifically kind of over these last two games against the Kings, the super high scoring affair Friday, and then against the Nuggets, what are you seeing from this Clippers team and why they're struggling to close these games out at the end? 
it's it's very evident. I think there's two reasons. I think one, you can point to Paul George and Kawhi need to just be a little bit better in fourth quarters. But I think part of why they brought in Russ is because they felt that they're handling the ball too much. And by the fourth quarter, they're a little tired. I talked about Kawhi's legs already just a second ago. He needs to be, you know, not overworked. And I think in this Denver game, you saw a great Kawhi down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, he and Jokic were just going back and forth. But the main issue, in my opinion, is Ty Lue this season. I mean, he's I've said many times on Locked On Clippers, he has not had the same kind of coaching season he's had the last two years. But he's been very persistent with two particular players at the end of games that's been to the detriment of the Clippers. One was Reggie Jackson, and he got traded for a reason to basically save Ty Lue from himself. And then the new one that absolutely was a huge reason the Clippers lost to Denver was Marcus Morris. I mean, Marcus Morris is... His only value is to space the floor and he can hit contested mid-ranges, which we literally already have two guys that do that. So it's kind of redundant. He doesn't rebound. and He's a 6'8", 230 to 40-pound guy, doesn't rebound, barely gets off the ground, and doesn't cut without, without the ball, doesn't do the intangible things. We have a guy like Terrence Mann who has not only played huge and big moments in the playoffs for us, but does so many little things and legitimately the data and the eye test back up that he is better than Marcus Morris for this Clipper team in 2023. And another guy doesn't even have to be Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum. I mean, I rest my case in this Denver game. The guy was like three for six from three, did a good job guarding Jokic in the small ball. And then Morris randomly having only made two shots the whole game or one shot the whole game ends the game and plays the entirety of overtime. It's it's extremely mind-boggling, and it makes me think that Ty Lue and Marcus Morris are just such close friends that Ty Lue just can't do anything about it. I mean, it's it's really crazy to me, It's and that's the biggest reason. So what what do you need to see from Ty Lue over this final stretch of the season and kind of going into the postseason and maybe be a little bit rejuvenated or kind of bring back some of that confidence in him as the coach that can get this thing done moving forward? The biggest thing would be to take Marcus Morris out of the starting lineup, but I don't think he's going to do that. By bare minimum ask is treat Terrence Mann like he deserves to be treated. And it's there's no reason why the guy that scored 39 points in the biggest game in Clipper history has to prove himself each season as if he's a rookie fresh out of the summer league. And he does so many great things for this team. And at the end of the day, Jackson – Defense wins championships. I know that's cliche, but it's been true since hey, the it's, 60s. it's facts. It's truth. And and Marcus Morris just doesn't have the lateral quickness anymore. Terrence Mann's one of our best point of attack defenders. To end games without two of our best point of attack defenders and Nico Batum and Terrence Mann is just, you're making yourself susceptible to just exchanging baskets. And I think a lot of the times when we lose games in the fourth, it's because we just exchange baskets. We don't get stops. And you saw that against Sacramento. We could not contain dribble penetration for the life of us. So I think if Ty Lue just leans more into a defense-first approach, even though he has such an offensive lens, he'll do wonders for us. Because Terrence Mann's also shooting 39% from three this season and even better in the last two months. I mean, the data, the metrics, the eye test, they all back up Terrence Mann playing more, or even Nico Batum. But Marcus Morris, he still gets the nod. I felt like you were going to finish that off with a take that for data quote. But with that, <laughs> with that uh, how will the Russell Westbrook experience look with the LA Clippers moving forward? Will... Ty Lue be able to adjust his coaching philosophy, his approach over this last stretch of the season and into the postseason. Of course, you'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Clippers. Darian, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime.
Coming up, the Milwaukee Bucks have won an NBA best 14 games in a row. How are they maintaining success despite guys being in and out of the lineup, including Giannis? Why is Chris Middleton still coming off the bench? Plus, Jay Crowder makes his much-anticipated Bucks debut. We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories that usually comes along with it, then you've got to try Built Bar because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think that they're good for you. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, cookies and cream, raspberry, strawberry. My personal favorite is the coconut brownie chunk, but you really can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar tastes like a candy bar. This just jam-packed with protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, which you can still do. I'll tell you about that in a second. But now you can get them from your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Just walk in, grab a box right off the shelf. That's that simple. Or if you want to order them online, go there too. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code Locked on 15 for 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, appreciate you making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Bucks, Kane Pittman. You can find wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Bucks. And Kane, the Bucks have the longest win streak in the NBA this season. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. They haven't lost in quite some time. Now, 14 wins in a row. The most recent one coming against the Phoenix Suns. A really exciting game down to the wire. I mean, this was a game that they managed to win despite no Giannis. I mean, just walk us through how this Bucks team has been able to keep racking up the wins, keep this win streak alive, despite some of the issues that they're dealing with, right? That, you know, not having Giannis for some of these games, you know, him missing some time due to injuries, Chris Middleton still coming off the bench, guys in and out of the lineups. Like, how are the Bucks able to maintain this level of dominance over this win streak? It hasn't been perfect in terms of the health stuff, but it's certainly been better than what it was at the start of the season. So you're right. They've had Giannis miss some games. Chris Milton's had a couple of nights out. Wesley Matthews has missed games. Pat Connaughton has missed games. Bobby Portis was out for the first 10 games of that winning streak. So they've had really important players miss time, but overall the collection of players feels a little bit more complete than it had been through the start of the season. This is a team that has really just been decimated by health stuff from the start of the season, including Chris Milton, who we know has missed over 40 games this year. But it's no surprise that when this winning streak started, that was the first game that Chris Middleton came back. So he's come back for his second stint in those 14 games. He's played 12 of those games, but the Bucs haven't lost since. The offense just looks like it's uh, ticking along certainly a little more efficiently than it was at the start of the season. So you still would love to see the health get a little bit better, but it's been a relief, I think, for Bucs fans to at least see some familiar names on the floor. What's the latest with Giannis and this newest injury, the knee issue? Is it, is it something severe? Is it something that's going to keep him out a long time? What's what's the latest on that? No, it does seem like he'll be back pretty soon. And if uh, people were watching this game today, you would have seen Giannis smiling and dancing and jumping around on the bench for the entire four quarters. So he didn't seem too bothered about this, but he's always banged up. He's always carrying something. He's missed a, uh, multi- over 10 games this year 
with the left knee soreness. Then he had the wrist stuff over the all-star break. And now he had this right knee, what they called was actually a, a quad contusion. So a bit of a, a knee knock with an opponent. So more than anything, it would be nice for him to just have a couple of nights off, but stopping Giannis and actually telling him that you cannot play is easier said than done. So I would suspect he's not going to miss too long. And walk us through this this approach with Chris Middleton, right? He's he's back, but he's coming off the bench. What's the what's the timeline there on, you know, expectation for him to kind of ramp up and get back into more of the the role that he's accustomed to having with this Bucks team? This is a big watch and this has been a concern still for Bucks fans leading into the All-Star break. He missed the last game. They played before the break against the Chicago Bulls. And then coming out of the break, he said yeah, I just didn't think on that night I was willing to um, go out there and I didn't think I could compete at my best and I thought it would hurt the team. And you sit back and you say, man, this is concerning. We are getting really close to the playoffs. This knee soreness, he just can't seem to shake. He did tell media uh, reporters, local media reporters, that he hopes the training wheels are off soon. But the interesting thing is that he's looked great when he's out there. His permanent scoring stuff has been uh, off the charts from an efficiency standpoint. Uh, Three-point shot, not quite there yet, but he has looked great but they are taking a very, very slow approach with him. He's up being around the 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I would say a good sign from this Phoenix game, though, was that he was in the closing lineup, and he hasn't been doing that. There has been close games that the Bucs have been in, and, and Budenholzer will just take him to the bench and say, well, this is the minutes limit. You are not closing the game, even though it's close. Tonight, we saw that against the Suns, which I think is the next step. Jay Crowder and Myers Leonard both made their Bucks debuts this past week. Uh, how are those guys kind of settling in over their first couple games? And, and what do you see as kind of maybe their roles moving forward? Yeah, Myers Leonard, very limited. And when the Bucks are healthy, you're going to have uh, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Bobby Portis, and these small lineups they go to. So yeah, not, not a lot to see there. It's a 10-day contract. We'll see whether he sticks on beyond. But I will say he's been decent in the minutes that he's played, knocked down a couple of threes. Jay Crowder is the big one. And we saw it closing this game today against the Phoenix Suns. He is a guy that they're happy to defend Devin Booker. He may have spent some time on Kevin Durant, who, by the way, didn't play in this game either. But they like the fact that they can go to switchable lineups, go small with Giannis at the five with Crowder out there. And also, he's not afraid to take shots. Now, he can be a little bit streaky, but we saw in this game against Phoenix, two late threes in the fourth quarter from the uh, from the corner in front of the Bucks bench. So, uh, they like defensively what he can bring to this team and a little bit of toughness, and he's made a really great start, it must be said. Is it nice to just kind of see Jay Crowder out there after all this, all the rumors and speculation about how the Bucks were trying to acquire Crowder? Yeah. The, the, it feels like the entire season, and then he finally like makes his debut. It just feels like this long-awaited thing that finally happened. We have done approximately 43 Jay Crowder podcasts this season, <laughs> I think, because every single week, there was another report saying that the Bucs were going to trade him. I will say this, though. I think the Bucs did some superb business getting this deal done and keeping Grayson Allen. If you go back to the start of the season, the trade that was reported and rumored was that uh, Grayson Allen would leave because of the salary matching stuff there. I still think Grayson Allen's an important player for this team. He played 27 minutes in this game against uh, the Phoenix Suns today. So being able to bring in Jay Crowder, a guy that you know can play in the postseason, and keep an important shooter like Allen. I think it was some really nice business. Last guy here that I'm curious to get your thoughts about, Kane, is uh, Marjan Beauchamp was a guy that, you know, earlier this season kind of got 
maybe thrust in the rotation a little bit with some of the injuries to certain guys and, you know, looked like he was going to be kind of a rotational piece for this Bucks team, you know, impressed Budenholzer was, was, you know, looked good on the floor. And then seemingly over this last month or so, I mean, he's been racking up DNPs, sporadic minutes here and there, kind of what's going on there. What, what happened to where he, you know, kind of fell out of grace, you know, in the rotation, I guess. Yeah. The Bucks got a bit healthy and they're a really good team. And it's just going to be hard for a rookie to get out there and play minutes. And if you think about the guys that are playing in his position, you have Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday obviously plays up in those positions. You've got Pat Connaughton, Wesley Matthews, Jay Crowder, Joe Ingles, keep going down the list. So they just have so many guys that play those positions, Grayson Allen as well. So it's just tough. It's hard to see how he would get minutes. And he, he's had some good moments, but he's also had some rookie moments. Defensively, the physicality stuff is, is still a little bit of a challenge for him, navigating screens and those types of things. So they really like him. He's flashed some stuff, but there is just not too often that you see rookies come in and play real minutes on teams as good as the Bucks. I guess it's kind of a silver lining that he got like a little bit of that opportunity earlier yeah. in the season to kind of flash some of that potential, right? And now you're like, okay, well, we know something's there, but yeah. that, may, that makes perfect sense. Um, I do want to actually, uh, you know, Drew Holiday, a name that I, we didn't get a chance to talk about though, but how important has Drew just been over this, you know, over this stretch of time? He's been kind of that that really consistent force, right? With different guys missing time. Uh, Drew's missed a hand, you know, a little bit of time here and there, but he's been kind of that one consistent force, I feel like this season for the Bucks. Yeah, he's been on a tear since the start of the new year, which I think was a major contributor to why he made the All-Star game. Because through January and through the, the early part of February, efficiency-wise, he's been huge. He's averaging 21 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists on 48-40-80 shooting. So his three-point shot has, has been really hot. We've seen him make big shot after big shot, not only in today's game, but in multiple close games over the last couple of months. And then you know what he does defensively. He came up with a big defensive stop on Devin Booker again, which is making everyone think about the 2021 NBA Finals. So he, I know he doesn't get a lot of news about him, and there were some people that were kind of confused as to why he would be an all-star, but he has been an absolute monster this year uh, for this team. He's an all-star caliber player, that is for certain. What happens with this Bucks win streak? How much longer can they keep the win streak churning out the W's? Giannis's health, Chris Middleton health. How are those guys going to continue to ramp up and round out the end of the season into the postseason? Of course, Silver's covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Bucks. Kane, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. And that's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest story with the local experts. <laughs>